Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. Today is episode 10, and I'm so excited because the topic today is growth. The title of the program today is Embracing a Growth Mindset, the vital role that personal growth plays in business growth. Today, Craig and I are going to share ideas on the important role that personal growth plays and how vital it is for everybody to have a personal growth plan. We're also going to talk about different ways to approach personal growth, the need for personal commitments, and the truth that personal growth is about inside change, not just outside behaviors. You'll also hear today on the different ways that your personal growth is so deeply connected to your business growth. So sit back, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be uplifted, and get ready to think differently about personal growth and your personal growth plan. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast. We are talking about personal growth plans today and personal growth plans are these things that we set up so that we can grow. Now, we'll be talking about various parts of that, how we get into it, some of the myths behind it, but we're really gonna be talking about personal and professional growth. And how do we get at a plan that will actually get us there? Well, and it's so vital because if you've listened at all to us already, you know that the foundation of the podcast as well as Cartavera is you can't grow a business bigger than you. Yeah. And the foundation of that is about personal growth. And unfortunately, I hear a lot more talk about personal growth than action towards personal growth. My goal of the session today is that we can help get past some of the myths and stumbling blocks, but give you some tools and actually some step-by-step -step processes to walk through so that you can actually put together a personal growth plan that makes sense, it's prioritized, it fits you and where you want to get to, and it's highly actionable and actionized. Absolutely. And I think when we look at our growth plans, we, we may develop a skill. It could be the way that we change our perspective. And one of the goals that we could have there is to talk to different people so that we can get different perspectives on things. Maybe we're trying to grow our business beyond, say, the million-dollar mark to a $10 million mark. Well, it's probably really good that we talk to people who are at or beyond that $10 million mark so that we can understand what their thought processes are and their perspectives. Or maybe it's, we want to be a better father or husband, and let's talk to some people who may be our mentors in those areas and find out what are those critical skills that we need to have to improve in those areas. Well, one of the things Craig just hit on, you know, he's really opening things up right now, hopefully for all of you listening. It's so easy when we think about improvement, we think about tactical things. Like we're going to get better at this particular um, activity or learn a skill, which is important. It is vital. But so many things he mentioned, I think, are even more vital. You know, how do we change our perspective on things? How do we change our thinking? 
How do we address things like our interaction with each other? What are those kinds of skills? And the problem is we often miss them, even if they're more important, because they're more difficult to measure. And we tend to gravitate towards things that are measurable, and and they're important to be measurable, but the objective measurable items are often not what you most need to get better, both personally and professionally. Hmm. That's a good point. And I think when we look at our big goals, oftentimes our big goals are outside of ourselves. It's, I'm going to grow my business to this level. I'm going to make this much money. I'm going to do these things. And what we often don't connect back to is we have to grow in order to reach those goals. Well, and the thing that's frustrating to me, we've talked about it before, Craig, almost every organization of any size on the planet has a concept called a personal improvement plan. But the only people that get an improvement plan are the people who are failing. Oh, that's horrible. Right, it's horrible. And I also believe that a lot of the people who get on those plans, the goal is actually more of a hope than a commitment. You know, we hope they get better, but it's really setting them up. It's a process that companies use to say, here's how you have to get better. And if you don't in 60 or 90 days, you may lose your job. Why on earth does not every single person on a team have a personal growth plan? That is a commitment to growth. And I highly encourage that every single team member that you have has a personal growth plan. I don't care what their level, that's from the brand new person to the CEO of the organization. They all need a personal growth plan. Absolutely. And when you think about it, are you going to want to have that person around that is not? actually growing. I mean, we, we had an interview with David Akers and he was talking about how every single person in his company has a personal growth plan. They're checking in on it on a regular basis. But the, the key there is he has made a commitment to his people that when you come to work for me, I will make sure that you are better personally and professionally when you leave here than when you came. Yeah, I love that. It didn't surprise me knowing David that he thinks that way, but that's the first time I've ever heard a leader talk about making that personal commitment. And to your point, Craig, what I love about having a process around personal growth in your organization is you will identify anyone who doesn't want to grow by putting that process in place. And for me, (laughs) if I've got someone who says, and they reveal themselves that they don't really want to grow, I know what we need to do. Well, what about all those people that say, oh yeah, I want to grow and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then at the end of the month, nothing's changed. Well, that's because no one made a commitment. No one had a plan. No one really understood what they were changing, how they were going to change it. Here's the classic get better. You know, they, and it usually, it often, I'll say often, comes from the higher up, someone you report to that says, you need to do a better job of listening. (laughs) Oh, you know what? You're right. I need to become a better listener. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to become a better listener. Awesome. Thanks for playing. (laughs) 30 seconds later, you walk out of their office and what everybody ought to know is it's highly unlikely anything's going to be changed because neither side was really engaged in the process or committed to change. Well, I mean, if you have something like, I'm going to be a better listener, how do you measure that? You know, ultimately it has to come back to the people that you're talking to have to rate you on that. Are you actually getting people committed to doing that? 
because they're going to be uncomfortable unless you give them the right to do that. Yeah, this gets really tricky because I said um, earlier, we were talking about the challenge of setting goals or setting development goals and growth goals that aren't measurable. And a lot of them are not measurable in traditional objective ways. There's, there's qualitative measurements that have to happen. And we need to understand how other people see us. We need to get other people engaged in the process. This is a really tricky piece, Craig, because it's important to have a goal, some sort of outcome we're trying to get to. Yes. We're trying to figure, but some of that may not be crystal clear when we get into the process. And then there's this other question of it all gets caught up in, we've talked before, Craig, the myth of done. Oh my gosh. That's huge. But we like we like the clarity, but often the search for clarity keeps us from achieving the real change we want because we tend to go to those objective measures that are really simple. For here's an example. It happens all the time. You're sitting down looking at someone's growth plan and they say, you know, I'd really, I'd really like to get better at this app. But the truth is, it's good for them to get better at the app. It would be great if they were a better listener. <laughs> right. But that one, we don't know where to begin. We don't know what it looks like. But the other one, we say, you know what? I'm going to look online. I'm going to find a class. <laughs> so my action plan for getting better at the app is I'm going to go take this one-hour training class. Will they be better at the end? I'm sure they will be if they pay attention. That's the whole plan. And they come back and they don't even ask, are you better at the app? Did you take the class? Right. Check a box. So the risk, the, the real issue here is when we do these growth plans, often it's a check a box mindset. It's not about real change. That's a really good point. I, I found that one of the things that we did in some of the companies I've worked in is that when somebody came back from training, they had to teach others what they learned. And that was a way to lock it in for them, but also to make sure that there was accountability around they actually learned this stuff. Well, the funny thing about that to me, Craig, is, you know, they've, there's a saying, we've heard it for years, the best way to learn something is to teach it. And some of the things, the skills we're talking about are, they're about interaction, they're about communication. And here's the funny part, a really good test for your team is, if you were to really get some honest feedback and you went through the organization and says, what are the one to three things this person needs to be better at? Yes. You're going to find very few of those that are those tactical pieces of learning. <laughs> yeah, because it's so much easier for people to learn skills than it is to change their attitudes or be a better, you know, improve their character. Well, exactly. Yeah, let's talk about the myth of done because that's we kind of glossed over that, but I think the myth of done is really, we think that we're going to improve in this particular area. So let's, let's just take a goal. I'm going to drop weight. Okay. So I want to drop 20 pounds. Okay, great. So when I drop 20 pounds, am I done? Or is it really not just about changing the weight? It's about changing our attitude about eating and choosing to be healthy. And it really comes back to what's the why. Do I just want to drop the weight so that I look better in my clothes or do I really want to be healthier and I'm therefore going to change my 
eating lifestyle and my exercise habits in order to live a better quality of life. Well, and there's so many different, there's a lot of people who talk about this, write about it. They're all worthy of consideration. The challenge is that there's this mixed message, I think, in there that, yes, we need this goal. We need someone to arrive. But ultimately, the truest change, I believe, comes when we change from the inside out. Absolutely. We don't just change our external behaviors, but we change some of our belief systems. In many cases, we change how we see ourselves. You know, there's a big piece right there. So many people come to me as a coach, and what they're looking for is, I want to show up with more confidence. I want to show up with more presence. But what they're really, they start off by saying, I need to get better at presenting. And they want to get some skills. But the truth is, there's something that needs to go on inside them that's going to really empower them into the person they want to be. And we'll talk more in a moment about that question. Who do you want to be as a leader? Who do you want to be as a team member? Who do you want to be as a parent, as a partner in a relationship? If you're not clear who you want to be, it's pretty hard to develop a plan towards this objective that, you know, is there some done to it? I, you know, I think we're going to talk about setting questions about mastery and how far we want to go and how good we want to get. But to me, when it comes to inside personal development issues, I don't know that I ever want to stop growing in those. I don't ever want to stop being a better communicator. I don't want to ever stop being more present. I don't want to ever stop being a better listener. Why would I want to stop those things? So some of these can have outcomes, but I don't know that done is really a meaningful conversation in most of these areas. Absolutely. I think one of the other things that people look at is, and I know that I've hugely been a part of this, is let's set lots of goals. So I'm going to set a goal in my health, and I'm going to set a goal in my wealth, and I'm going to set a goal in my relationships, and I'm going to set a goal in my work, and I'm going to do all these things at once, and I'm going to be so much better for it. And what I found is that it's really difficult to go after more than one or two things at a time. So I remember back in the mid-90s, my wife and I had watched the movie Ghost. And of course, there's that classic scene where Demi Moore is sitting there in the, in the pottery wheel and making something and Patrick Swayze comes in and just this kind of sexy scene, but they're doing something together. Interestingly enough, my wife decided, hey, I want to do pottery. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll do it with you. Now she is seven months pregnant. So when we get into the pottery studio and she's, she's sitting around the wheel and trying to center her clay, just isn't happening very well. Me, on the other hand, I'm like doing it. I'm creating all this stuff. And I, I ended up saying, wow, I really like this. She stopped. I kept going. I took class after class and sat in the studio with a lot of other people. So it was a very social environment as well. And I ended up doing pottery for about three years. And during that time, I progressed. And I, what I started off with was something that was real crap. But when I had first looked at it, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. You know, it looked just like my instructor's stuff, which it absolutely didn't. But in my mind, because I didn't know better, it looked like that. But eventually got to the point where I started working towards actually having my own show. And so I was in the studio 40 hours a week in addition to my job. And I decided, okay, I'm going to have this show. And I did. I had a show. People bought some of my stuff. 
And I haven't gone back to the pottery studio since. But what that told me was I could focus on one thing for a period of time, get really good at it, and then I can choose. Do I want to continue or not? I decided that what I needed to focus on at that point with a small family was I needed to focus on business. I wanted to be that entrepreneur and create the kind of lifestyle that I wanted for my family. So I decided to turn my creative juices into business. And what Craig's talking about is just one of the many ways that we set ourselves up when it comes to growth and change. We set ourselves up by having too many things we're going to work on at once. We set ourselves up not by the the grandness of our idea, but the actions that would require to change that or create that outcome in a too short of a period of time. You know, here's a perfect example. I've had this happen many times. I'm sitting with a client who happens to be a smoker and they say, I really want to quit smoking. I said, well, let's talk about a plan for that. And they said, no, I'm just done. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm just going to stop. I'm not going to have a cigarette after today. And I always encourage them to set some goals, to take some steps, but invariably they'll say, no, no, I'm just going to quit. Two weeks later, how'd you do? Yeah, not uh, I was smoking on the second day. But here's what happens. Then they beat themselves up. I beat myself up for not achieving an impossible, stupid goal. Oh, yeah. And now I'm less likely to set some goals. And here's what I want to plant a seed for you around the setup. I believe that we set ourselves up on purpose, but we didn't know we did it. So it's an unconscious setup. <laughs> and one of the reasons we do, one of two reasons is, Kind of the really deep psychological reason is we all have some issues about our ability and our worthiness to achieve things. So we create a failure setup. The other is that we don't understand this truth. No matter how much you want the new outcome, there's a part of you that doesn't want to change. <laughs> I am a change junkie. I love change. And I know. There's a part of me that doesn't want to change, and that is the part that will set me up, trip me up. And so I just offer to you, acknowledge from the beginning, no matter how committed you say you are, there's a part of you that doesn't want to change anything. Oh, so true. And I think one of the other things that, that you kind of brought out as we were talking about this is that everything that you say yes to, you're also saying no to something else. You know, and we may say, okay, we have extra time in our days. Instead of binge watching for three or four or five hours every night on Netflix, hey, I could take some of that time and go learn to play piano or go learn to play guitar or do something else, spend time with my family. But what are we saying no to? We're saying no to Netflix. We're saying no to that comfort of, hey, I'm just going to vegetate for a while. And it takes effort to make those changes. And a big part of this, as you've all experienced, it's not, it's often not about the choices we make. It's whether we're conscious that we're making them. Mm, yes. Hey, I like Netflix, but what I work to do is to be more conscious that I'm choosing it, saying right now, I just want to go stimulate my mind this way. Or if, if it's something I want to veg out on, I'm going to say, I'm going to veg out for the next half hour mm -hmm. on purpose. Instead of doing it and then looking around and saying, well, I didn't go on my bike ride. I didn't have this interaction. I didn't read the book. I didn't do all the things I said I was working on. 
it doesn't mean we have to be perfect, but let's just be conscious when we choose one thing or the other. That phrase that Greg offered, that every yes is a no, I heard in 1999, and that was one of the most profound things I remember sticking with me in the last 21 years, <laughs> because it reminds me whenever I say yes to something, to think, wait a minute, what'd you just say no to? Is it learning? Is it growing? Is it exercise? Is it time with my family? Is it this other project? Think about how often at work, the project you're going to work on, you go spend time on something else and say, I wonder why I didn't get that done. <laughs> oh, I don't know, about 18 choices you made today, and you didn't even know you were making them. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartavera. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartavera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cartavera.com. Welcome back. Well, let's talk about mastery versus good enough. And oftentimes when we look at a goal or a change goal, we're thinking, okay, I'm going to be awesome at this. Well, oftentimes though, we start into the process of change without defining what awesome means. Does awesome mean, hey, I feel good about myself? In which case you may not have changed at all. It's just a matter of changing your feeling. Or is it a matter of saying, if I'm going to be a better communicator with my wife. My wife is rating me on that. My wife and I used to have like these measures and I would say, okay, how am I doing in this area? Oh, you got a seven. Okay. How am I doing in this area? Oh man, you're great in that area. You're doing a 10. How about this area? Oh, that's a three. Uh, I think we need to work on that. So it's, it's one of those things where you can do that check-in. And if you're doing that on a regular basis, you're, you're at least understanding where you are. I was in a group of guys we had an accountability thing in our church and, and these guys, I mean, we would get into the deep stuff and I, we would create these little charts and we would say, okay, you know, this week I was at a level seven in this area and a level X in this area and so forth. And the other guys would say, oh, okay, so that's, that's good. That's not so good. All right. Now you're, you're much lower than you, what you wanted to be in this area. And you said you were going to be working on that. What happened? And so having that accountability, that support, the encouragement from other people is huge. I think self-help oftentimes is one of those things that just doesn't get done because we really need that support structure as well. So anyway, let me go back to the mastery versus good. When we really look at if we're going to be a master of something, then we need to define what that outcome looks like. For me, as I got into the pottery, I started off just saying, hey, I'm going to do something to spend time with my wife. It eventually became something that took time away from me spending with my wife because I was in the studio and she wasn't. But at that end point where I was saying, I'm going to do something to, to create commercially viable pottery, that was a goal. That was a level setting standard. And then I realized at the end of that, okay, I'm done. I have learned this one thing because I like to learn so many different things. I didn't need to keep doing that one thing so I could have time to learn some of the other things. It's kind of the serial versus parallel goal setting. Well, and to that point, let me offer you perhaps a shift in your perspective. Many of us have heard this saying through most of our lives, I have, 
something like anything worth doing is worth doing well. (laughs) I think that's a setup and I don't buy it because everything I do doesn't have to be done well or perfect or outstanding. It doesn't. Yes. So here's the phrase I want to flip to you. Instead of that one, try this one on. Anything worth doing is worth doing well enough. (laughs) Well, I'd say it comes back to the goal that you have. I mean, I would say if the, like, for example, when we got into the pottery, that was just something that I could do with my wife. We could have some fun together. And my goal was just to be there with her and just try something new. It wasn't to get to any specific standards or to do anything, you know, have a particular outcome. It was just starting there. My goals changed as I went through. Another thing that we can realize is there's mastery versus good enough is that our expectations of our development may be that we want to be masters of something, but let's take an example from the business world. If I become an expert at QuickBooks, then I'm probably not doing my real job. If as the CEO of a company, I am learning that to the nth degree, instead of relying on somebody else, like an accountant or a bookkeeper to take care of that part for me, then I'm saying no to developing in an area that would really help the company versus something that just is not as necessary. If I can do credits and debits and get a report, that may be good enough. Well, and this gets into a concept that's important for all of us to think about is what is our highest and best use? Oh, yeah. Because I'm, I'm easily distracted. I'm easily distracted by ideas. I want to do that. I want to try that. But when I look at particularly my growth professionally, which means me growing personally in order to achieve that, I'm looking at is this something that's really either going to enrich my life or enrich my leadership, whatever that means. And we all have a different perspective on that because I have a lot of things I could learn and learn to do them well. But most of the time, my answer is, yep, no, I don't need to know that. That's not how I add the most value either to the team, the company, or even a relationship. Yeah. Let's talk about boundary setting, Jeff. I know that this is a big area for you. When you look at setting a goal and choosing to improve in a particular area, where does boundary setting come into this mix? Well, I love you brought the word into the conversation. We touched on a little bit of boundary setting a moment ago when we were talking about, you know, if we every yes is a no, that's part of boundary setting reality. But we look at trying to change behaviors. Any kind of change means we've got to we've got to let go of something else. Yeah. We've got to let go of a behavior. We've got to let go of this old behavior to find a new behavior. But if you look at the just at the reality of time, in order for me to make space for growing in one area, I'm going to have to step away from something else almost all the time. Hmm. And Sometimes there's an attachment to that too, and I've got to cut that attachment. That's another form of boundary setting. You know, I know, I do know this when it comes to boundaries. When I talk to an audience as a speaker and I say, How many of you are great at saying yes? Every hand goes up. (laughs) And then I'll say, So, how many of you are great at saying no? And you might get 3%. Wow. Because we culturally, have been ingrained to say yes 
to everything and everyone. Part of it is, oh, that's what makes me the nice person. That makes me popular. People want to be around people. And isn't it, and they'll say, isn't it the right thing to do to say yes? No, it's not actually. If you want to be a people pleaser, and many people want to be that. But part of that is just realizing that's your nature. But you can change your nature. I want to talk about that really quickly here. I am tired of hearing people say to me, that's just how I am. Oh my gosh, yeah. I don't buy it. Right. I do not buy that at all. Every one of us has the ability to create profound change in how we show up in the world. The question is, do we have a why enough? And are we willing to take that why and put it into action and take those risks to achieve that outcome? I'm tired of it. It's kind of the attitude that, that comes back to, oh, it is what it is. And in that defeatist attitude, I can't stand that. It drives me nuts. When people say that, I, I will assess. You know, There are some people that say it, and, and it's from a standpoint of, okay, I'm going to have peace in this situation. It is what it is, so I'm going to go along with it. But oftentimes, it's really a, a matter of somebody saying, you know what? I don't have any control over here, and I don't have any control over me. So therefore, I'm just going to accept what is. And, and that's one of the risks we need to think about, because a lot of times when we're developing personal growth plans, part of what informs the process is some sort of assessment. Right. There's a lot of them out there. And whether it's a proprietary assessment tool or some feedback you get that looks like an assessment, a lot of times people look at those and say, oh, that's just how I am. And they now use it as a justification to commu- keep to not change. Right. And that's not the point. The point is to look at it and say, here's your natural behavior styles, but then take a look at what's the impact of that on the people around you, on your leadership, on what you want to achieve in your life, because nobody is locked in stone. Absolutely. And I'm I'm frankly tired. I'm tired of people saying it and defaulting to it and saying, hey, this, I am what I am. You're not Popeye. (laughs) You are not. You are who you choose to be. And growth sometimes is hard and sometimes is challenging. The question is, do you want that new outcome or not? Yeah. To your point, we've, I've in multiple roles, I've had expert facilitators come in who are maybe Myers-Briggs experts, for example. So one guy had a PhD, another person was a master practitioner. And within those teams, what we did is we went through, we got our assessments. And then as a team, we went through those. And I remember one of the guys um, on my IT team, he had said, wow, that's why you're the way you are, Craig. That's why we're having this particular conflict. I said, you're absolutely right. And now I know how I need to communicate with you so that I can better help you understand where I'm coming from and that we can resolve some of those issues, some of those conflicts. Because now that we know that we have a different makeup and our natural state, we can choose to be a little bit different so that we can actually have better communication and better working relationships. And I, you know me, Craig, I'm a wordsmith. And one of the things you said in there, you said, and this is typical, oh, that's why you are the way you are. That's like <laughs> that locked in thing. Right. So I look at it and say, oh, that explains why I most naturally behave this way. Right. That's what we're talking about. We all have some hard wiring but the wiring can change. We just have to change the input and usually figure out a sufficient motivation that we really want to go through the work of change because change does take work. It takes risk. 
And we hadn't even talked about this before, Greg. All the things we're talking about requires fundamental vulnerability. Mm. You cannot change anything without being willing to be vulnerable because we're going to talk more about the importance of support and outside perspectives. That's risk of all sorts of judgment. People are going to get to see you. And what instead we do is we say, I'm going to go over in my room. I'm going to decide to work on this, but I'm not going to tell anybody. That's failure. I don't want them to know I'm working on it. Yeah, they're setting themselves up for failure if you do that. Exactly. Because I don't want to be vulnerable, but vulnerability is required for change. That's the deal. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if you're learning like an app or something like that, it may not really require vulnerability. But when you get into the real serious stuff, the the character, the leadership changes, your communication skills, those types of things, absolutely. You need to get that feedback from somebody else. Even in learning an app, unless you're perfect the first time you do it, the risk is you won't be perfect and someone's going to see, well, wait a minute, Craig went and took that class and he's not perfect at it yet. Everything's a risk. If you're going to try and get better at something, there's a risk because you no one will be perfect the first yeah, time. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things to realize is uh, my wife is made up very differently than I am. So when Julie starts something, she's in her mind having to be perfect. And I just try something to try something new and just for the fun of it and just to experience something new. And if I decide that I like it, then I'll continue to progress. Well, and that's so, you know, we're going to get to this in a little more in depth, but that's so much about being clear on the why you're doing things. We're going to talk about the vital importance of the why, but a lot of people jump into things without knowing why they're doing them or they're doing them because someone told them to, especially in the professional context. Hmm. Yeah. And that's why, so here's one of the roles of a leader. Leader's job is not to tell people how they need to get better. The leader's job is to help people understand how the way they're showing up now is not serving them or the organization and how showing up differently or interacting differently can have a different impact. Okay. I'm going to clarify something there, Jeff, because you're starting from the assumption that somebody's not doing something right. And I would say, since, since we're talking about everybody getting a personal growth plan, I would say, even if somebody's doing something well, maybe they could add another skill or improve even more. I agree with that. I think that's going to take a lot of thin slicing at all levels of leadership because my experience is typically the people who choose to get better at something they're already really good at comes from the inside. Yes. most Too many leaders are not good at talking to their people about the things they're good at and helping them become great at. Totally agree. They focus on, because they're easier to see, this is, the, this is the whole setup. It's easier to see when someone's coming up short of expectations. Yes. And to have that conversation versus saying, where is someone really strong? We want them to get better. And that to me is also, you know, leaders in terms of their team need to be thoughtful about what's the highest and best use of that person and to understand their nature. Because there are, so let me, I want to make sure we talk about this. There are certain things that I don't think should change. If you're natural, this is mine. I am not a detail person. I can do it. I was a lawyer for 17 years, and I'm not sure how I survived it because it's not my (laughs) natural state. I do not want to become a detailed person, and I will not put myself in a job to do that. 
So that is a natural state. I could change that, but I'm not going to choose to get better at something. The cost of me becoming an expert or becoming really good at details means a complete loss of all the things I'm really good at already. Hmm. So that's about fit, but that's not about the growth plan. That's more about looking at fit of how people fit into the organization where they fit. Well, let me circle back to one of the things you were talking about earlier, and that is the the role of the leader in setting personal growth plans. And as we look at that, one of the things that I would do with my teams is I would actually ask them, where do you want to be professionally, but where do you want to be personally? What are the things that you have? What are the goals that you have that may be outside the company? And what could I do to support you? What could the company do to support you in that growth as well as the personal, the professional growth? Because ultimately, as, as people are growing in one area, they're going to be growing in other areas. It's, it becomes more of a routine of growth. And it, it can't help but come back to benefiting the company if I'm allowing this person to grow personally. And some of the companies we've had, we've had budgets where people could choose you know, $300. Okay, go get a course on how to train your dog. right? And so you can do anything you want with this $300 a year. It doesn't have to be professional development. Now, that was the same company that also paid for half of my MBA. So I'm very thankful that they really had that attitude. Well, and as you know, Craig, we just, we interviewed about a week or so ago. It'll be published down the road, Joe Schmuchny. Oh, yeah. And Joe was talking about what their company-centric consulting went through a process that was a very rigorous, in-depth, time-consuming process to help them understand for every team member what's important to you. Where do you want your career to go? What's important to you personally? What do you want sort of your life and professional path to look like? It was so far beyond. It was really, what are your dreams? Right. Even away from work. And it was about trying to understand that to get to know them, but also say, how do we set you up? to pursue those and support you in pursuing those, not just figuring out how to make you the best employee we can. Wow. And you know what's really interesting about that particular interview was Joe Joe came on and he's like, ah, you know, I don't know what I can share. I don't know if I'm going to add any value. But one of the things that was really, it just kind of made Jeff and I, you know, explode our heads was when we were, when we were asking the question of who's your role model, he, he said he had asked his sons, and one of his sons said, well, dad, you know, shouldn't you choose yourself because you're constantly trying to improve yourself? So you are the standard. I'm like, oh my gosh, if that's the case, if we, I mean, talk about a Zen moment. If we set ourselves as the standard of constant growth and constant development, wow, what a, what a great world this would be. That's a growth mindset. Oh, yes. I, I constantly want to look at myself and how do I grow? personally, professionally, spiritually, emotionally, all those things. Yep. And I also know that in that process, I'm going to miss things. I, I will have blind spots. Yes. We all have blind spots. And that's why in this process, we have to make sure at some point we get outside feedback. And I'm going to just call it outside perspectives because that's what I believe it's about. There's no right or wrong in this, but there is truth and falsity in the perspective. Yeah. If someone's got a perspective of me that I'm not a good listener, it doesn't matter how good I listener I think I am. In their experience of me, I'm not a good listener. Now, we have to be vulnerable enough to say, okay, maybe they're right. 
Well, I accept. Actually, I start by saying they are right. Okay. Yeah. They are absolutely right because that's how, unless I think they're lying to me. <laughs> right. That's their experience of me. And that's why I think these conversations need to be about perspective because we all have different perspectives, including the perspective of ourself. And it's massive vulnerability for me to go to someone and say, tell me about your experience of me. When I'm, my natural reaction for most of us, and mine still is a little bit, I've evolved a lot, but most of us, our natural reaction to feedback is some version of, ouch. Yeah, defensiveness. Let me tell you, let me tell you how that's not really true. <laughs> So this has been great stuff, Craig. I think we've laid a really strong foundation for change. We've talked about sort of how to look at the concept of change, the ways we set ourselves up, the way we set our objectives and things like that, and some of the key tools people need to achieve change. But what we haven't talked about yet and what we'll cover on the next podcast is the process for real personal growth and change. And we're going to talk particularly about what we call the formula. The formula for personal growth and change that if you embrace that and are willing to commit to it, you can really have all sorts of profound change in your life. So stay tuned and come back and see the next episode or listen to the next episode as we go into the deeper dive into what does it actually take to create change in our lives and our leadership? Well, I think one thing that we can do here, Jeff, is I'm going to make sure that we have one episode in between. And that's going to be from Michelle Villalobos, because what she talks about is personal transformation that I think will really enliven and add richness to this discussion. That's a perfect combination. So make sure you go listen. After you've listened to this podcast, go check out Michelle's podcast and come back and check out part two on personal growth plans so you can learn ways to change so you can have more impact in every part of your life. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cartevera Tribe. The Cartevera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartevera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cartevera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cartavera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.